Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Charity Stripe on the all-new Mightier 1090 AM SoCal Sports Talk. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stripe. Pitch your free throws because they're free. I'm Joshua Fish along with Alexander Disopolis and Nicholas Snacks Kreider. If you don't like a DJ air horn sound effect, that is so fine. Just please come talk to us. It's the new year. We want to bring good vibes. Speak to us in our DMs on Instagram at the.charity.stripe or on Twitter at underscore charity stripe underscore. Big week this week. College football playoff is here. We got the number one seed Bama versus the number four seed Cincinnati. First non-power five team to make it. Pretty exciting. And then we have Michigan versus Georgia. Both games on the 31st. Before we get into our picks, I'll give the spreads on betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. That's what we're brought to you by. We love BetOnline. You've been listening to us for almost half a year now. And if you don't know what BetOnline is by this point, shame on you. Hate to put that in your juju and your mojo after preaching such good vibes heading to the new year. But at this point, you got to go check out betonline.ag. Before we get into the games, I want to know whose idea it was to put these games on New Year's Eve. These games are New Year's Eve. One's at 4.30 Eastern, 7.30 Eastern. It's less of a big deal for our Pacific Coast listeners, which is where we're obviously releasing at. But on the East Coast, that second game, the Georgia-Michigan game, which, by the way, is, in my eyes, the better game that most people would want to watch. It may be more boring because it could be a defensive battle. But as far as excitement goes, I think a lot of people are anticipating Bama to absolutely wipe the floor with Cincinnati. What kind of rocks in your head do you have to have to schedule these games on New Year's Eve? It's a first of all, it's Friday night. What was wrong with Thursday? Why can't you just oh the new the New Year's six? First of all, the New Year the New Year's six is fugues. No one cares about that anymore. Half the players that we want to see aren't even playing. Why can't you do it on New Year's Day? Like pick a good day to do it. The fact you're doing night of New Year's Eve is honestly blasphemous and quite pathetic on the scheduling part of the NCAA. Am I alone in thinking that, or do you guys concur? No, I definitely concur with you. I probably think that ratings won't be as bad as you expect them to be just because of COVID cases being so high and people not wanting to go and celebrate New Year's Eve. There's a lot of events getting canceled. I mean, Josh, you're pretty sad. Your your big event got canceled. You were to fish at MSG and it got canceled. So uh, there's going to be a lot of people who have a lot of free time on their hands who will be sitting at home. Um, but I do think it's stupid. I mean, in any other year as well, I mean, put it on a Saturday, put it on you know, the Monday night or something like it, don't do it on Sunday. Cause you got NFL, but like, you know, the, usually the championship games are played on Monday anyway, yeah. and the national championship will be. So keep it uniform, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible scheduling. I think it's just a weird confluence of dates aligning in a way that we don't want them to. Right. Because like you just mentioned, the new year six is the new year six. You want these two CFB semi-playoff games um, semifinal games to be on the same day. You want them mm. to have their limelight, but it's unfortunate that it has to happen on a Friday. The NCAA like, is just like just a gong show. It just always has been. And at this point, there's nothing there's nothing that surprises me in, on how they schedule things, on how they operate, on how they decide to do their playoffs. Like it's just a gong show. 
you would think Rob Manfred was in charge of the NCAA sometimes the way it's run. The we always find a I'm way. Sure to have, I'm sure I'm sure he's got some boys in the NCAA. I'm sure they bro down. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. That's where he's spending New Year's Eve with the NCAA squad. It's I don't know, not to harp on it too much. It was just the 30th would have been great, the 29th would have been exciting. People will tune in just Friday night. If we if we not learn anything from the Pac 12 with scheduling, like when Pac 12, oh, we're gonna be different, get try to get ahead of the curve and schedule our games Friday night. Like no one watches like USC, Oregon, Stanford, Oregon Friday night at 7:30. No. no one. People want to go out and get drunk. Like you should. The Pac 12 also does a lot of night games, which is so stupid. And it's like the NFL has great ratings because their games are during the day, right? On Sunday day. And of course you have your Thursday night game, you have your Sunday night game and the Monday night game. But, you know, those usually aren't too hard to adjust to because like the Sunday night game is usually at like 520 on the West Coast and the same with Thursday night and same with Monday night. Like they do a good job of making sure that everyone can be able to watch the game. Also the NFL. I mean, it just reigns supreme. I mean, back 12 and it's bled into the rest of the rest of the NCAA is just run by a bunch of finger painting first graders. It's it's just pathetic at certain points. But I am excited for these games. Here's the spreads. Okay. We have Bama minus 13 and a half against Cincinnati. We have Georgia minus seven and a half against Michigan. The over-under on betonline.ag, once again, in the Georgia Michigan game is 45 and a half. The over-under in the Bama-Cincinnati game is 57 and a half. We really don't do over-unders on the show because over-unders are the biggest sweat, heart attack central, rather put my head in a blender than bet on an over-under. Toss. Uh, we did put an over-under in last week. And it the hit. The Lions, right? No, it was, this, it was the Monday night game. Oh, yeah. It was I mean, the Saints-Dolphins game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the we Saints. Said, we said take the under. Yep, and, yeah. and, and we didn't even, we didn't know that Ian Book was starting, but that certainly helped as well. Well, it, I'm sure the over under shifted uh, in the the wrong or the right direction mm-hmm. um, when that news broke because Ian Book looked like a finger painting first grader throwing the ball out there. He was brutal, like unbelievably sad to watch. Yeah, yeah it I felt bad. Sad. It was sad. You never want to see a guy make his debut and be just treacherous. Yeah. He was, you know what the thing it was is with that game. Do you want to go back to college football? Notre Dame, he was not that great at Notre Dame. I don't care how many times you go to the playoffs. He had such a nice, easy schedule to get in as far as, you know, schedules comparatively to the SEC, Big 12 and Big 10 go. And he was always underwhelming time in, time out. He's strictly a college game manager. The fact that the Saints spent a fourth round pick rather than draft a receiver in the fourth round, major head scratcher. And I mean, obviously he's forced into the start because Simeon who stinks on ice is out. And then Taysom Hill, who might be sleeping with Sean Payton, he's getting paid so much money, um, is out. And so obviously he's thrust into battle, but he was, you know, Amelia Earhart lost out there. He was, he held on the ball too long. He wouldn't throw it away. It was just a sad game to watch, but yeah, we hit on that bet. I think we hit on a lot of the bets last week, not to, you know, toot ourselves. Um, I don't know exactly how the draft order broke down, but you know, who was a fourth round draft pick this year? Who? Who's a receiver? He's playing quite well. Amon Ross St. Brown. So there you go. There's there's plenty of talent in the fourth round at the skill positions. There's oftentimes not a lot of talent at the quarterback position in the late rounds of the draft. Excellent call there. And if he if you if they televised the Pac 12 better, he'd be a higher pick. Fact. He's he was great at USC. Okay. Toss, we'll go with you first. 
we'll start with Georgia because you have some weird family ties in the South, like from Georgia to Louisiana, like just across the board. Um, I guess you kind of root for them at times uh, when LSU's not in it. Uh, Georgia. Yeah, it's minus- so weird that your family's from the South, man. Yeah, right. I wish I was honestly not like I just love the South Lab. Anyway, we know Georgia minus seven and a half <laughs> versus Michigan. What do you like there? I I don't want to get trapped into looking at Georgia only through the lens of the Georgia Alabama game, but it was their toughest opponent by a long shot. And the OC has said that Stetson Bennett is their best chance at winning this game. I don't necessarily believe that that's the truth. Um, I have, I was not severely impressed with his play throughout the year. Granted, he didn't have to do a lot. So a lot of times it's not that he looked bad. He just didn't impress me because the defense was so impressive. Seven and a half points against a team, a Michigan team who I think is really good. That's a lot of points. It's mm-hmm. more than a touchdown. And because of that, I would take Michigan plus seven and a half. Okay. Nicholas. Uh, I like Michigan plus seven and a half as well. I think that their defense is great. And I think that their offense is, is fairly good too. But if you flip the side of the ball to Georgia, their defense is stellar, but their offense is not great. Right. I mean, they don't score too many points. And I think that you're going to have to put up at least 28 points. If you want to get this job done against Michigan, because Michigan's going to score. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much they're going to score, but they're going to score. I'm not so confident that Georgia's going to score. They might just be kicking field goals all day, and that's not going to cut it against Michigan. So I think seven and a half is pretty. It's it's a pretty good line for Michigan to take. Um, I, if, I'm not sure if money line is is the way to go, just because it's a different level of talent that Georgia plays than what Michigan plays. I think, um, but this could be anybody's ball game. I think this is this is closer than people give it credit. Yeah, I was about to give you the floor to do something crazy. Uh, I think the Michigan money line. I mean, again, it's New Year's Eve. I mentioned, you know, alcohol swirling in the air. My pocket's feeling frisky. I might throw a little sauce on the Michigan money line just because I'm feeling wild. And if Ohio State and Texas Longhorns are not going to win it, it might as well be like my least favorite team or second least favorite team to OU in Michigan. But it's Um, also cool if they win it too. Like it, it, it's good for programs like Texas. Right. And in, in USC, Miami and Miami. Right. Like all these schools that had, you know, really big legacies that have not been able to get it done. Mm-hmm. And it's just bringing us closer to closer to a little bit normalcy and having that team be back. And so if Michigan wins, you look at the template and you want your school like Texas or Miami or USC or, or any of these schools out there that are that are thirsty for a championship. You could just use that as a template and just show some signs of faith in life. And I think and it's really good for college football for a team not like Georgia or a team not like Bama to win it. Well, yeah. I would say for all intents and purposes, Georgia was one of those teams, and except for the fact that they made the college football playoff in the last five years, right? right? Like just, outside outside of that, they've boring, always though. they've always been that fringe. Like we think they're so going to be boring. good. We think they're going to be great. And they never really have met those expectations. And I know Kirby Smart, we talked about it. The players this year have really made the difference, right? Like, and that's yeah. how you change it. And you see with USC, you see with Texas, Texas A&M, uh, their recruiting classes for this up- upcoming year are, are fantastic. So they you are. expect, you expect those programs to develop into what Michigan has been this year. But I, I agree, Nick, I think despite my family's ties to, to Georgia, I, I think seeing Michigan win this game would be a lot of fun. And I Better think for the sport, they feel like the best bet to beat Alabama, who I agree with what you said earlier, Josh, they're a shoe in to just waltz right into the uh, the college football championship. 
Here's the thing yeah. with, I would also here, take the under in this game too. I think two defenses that reign supreme. I think we are all on the same page on this one. I'm glad you went with the under, which was 45 and a half. Um, I think the def- it's going to be a defensive battle. Michigan, the quarterback doesn't make too many mistakes, but they run the ball excellent. Haskins, great. Quorum is back off the ankle injury. They really do a great job running the ball. And Bennett in the is trenches. in the trenches. Yeah. Hutchinson, Ojaba. These guys are going to be top 15 pick. I mean, Hutchinson could be the first overall pick. And his counterpart could be top 15 pick as well. Uh, Daxton Hill is a great corner. I mean, George Pickens is back for Georgia, but he's still coming back from injury. He's still getting used to Bennett again. I think that defensively, they match up really well. They're going to put a lot of pressure on him. And is it can they get the ball through Jordan Davis in the run game? But for as far as like what is good for college football. If it's Bama versus Georgia again, because it's like boring, boring. It's like passing the temper pedic and a melatonin. Like I'm done with this. Like the thing with the thing with Georgia is, is, yeah, they've only made it once, but they're always in the sec championship, which is pretty much like the playing game in the NBA. Like right. the winner of the SEC championship goes. So it's pretty much like the prelude to the, it's like a wild card game in baseball, honestly, is what it is. Like that one game wild card is what the SEC championship is every single year. And Georgia's always opposite LSU, opposite Auburn, opposite Bama, opposite the team that's going to go in for the SEC and represent them in the college football playoffs. And it's like, at what point is enough is enough? Like if Cincinnati, first of all, if Cincinnati wins streaking through the cart yard to the gymnasium, like, they, they should just burn the They should just riot. I, I'm for like a school riot if they beat Bama. That would be, in my eyes, one of the biggest upsets. Yeah, but isn't that celebrating at the one-yard line? I mean, don't you want to get it done and, and actually win the national championship? If you can beat Bama, then you can beat whoever else comes after Bama. Yes, I you're right. It is celebrating at the one-yard line, and I am wildly getting ahead of myself. Um, and I think this Bama first- already, they already have the exclusive clause like written in, right? It's like we were never the, the same team that we have been in years past. You know, we had to get in by beating Georgia in that last SEC championship game. Otherwise, we wouldn't have made it. Like, uh, you know, they've got their they the can narrative. Do yeah, yeah, they've got the narrative already set for themselves. So you got to win it. If you're Cincinnati, you got to upset twice because that's I, what it's got to be. 100% upset twice. The thing is with Bama this year is like, first of all, I know Bryce Young won the Heisman. It was a landslide win, but he, it was just the football felt college football felt different this year. Oh, it did for sure. Bama, like they played a close game against Florida, who kind of stunk. They already have a new head coach. They lost to AM. Lost to AM. Bryce Young wins the Heisman when at times, yeah, his numbers were great. It just didn't feel like a real like dominating Heisman, like Mariota, like Cam, like Burrow, you know, like we've seen in years past, like, you know, Kyler Lamar. Like we've seen so RG3, like real guys that took the college football like by storm. And I think it's been stale. No Michi. The run game's the weakest it's been. I love Jamison Williams, but the thing is with Cincinnati, like to play devil's advocate to what we're saying, they have a really good defense. They have Sanders, who's an edge guy. He'll probably go in the second round. Sauce Gardner, like this is nobody's stock is on the line. Like Sauce Gardner, the cornerback stock in the college football playoff. Hutchinson's a top three pick, no matter how you slice it. Evan Neal, the tackle for Alabama, he'll be a top, top five pick as well. Yeah, top five, top ten. Like honestly, depends who's picking. Like the the, the Jaguars can take him. Realistically, yeah, those, those guys on the Georgia D line too, like they'll be in the first round. Yeah, well, worse Walker goes in the second. Davis is a first round pick. I mean, everyone needs a good defensive tackle. The thing with Sauce Gardner is you have Stingley Jr., who should be the first corner, but he's kind of hurt. You have Booth, 
from Clemson who's flying around, Elam from Florida who's moving around draft boards. There's no real number two corner, McDuffie, McCreary, like all these Auburn and Washington respectively. There's no real like solid number two corner. And I don't think as talented as he is and as good as he was as a freshman, that Stingley has the grip on the number one corner slot as people think because of injuries. So if you're yeah. Sauce Gardner and you're going against Jamison Williams, who could be the number two receiver taken in the draft and you lock him down or do a good enough job against him in this one-on-one matchup and make it easier and let the rest of your defense cover Bama, you know what? You don't have to double him with safeties. Their safety is good too. Then you could really upgrade your stock. So I think this game's a big game for him. But the 13 and a half, Nick, what do you love in this one? I don't love either side of this, honestly, okay. because I think that line looks more favorable to Bama from the naked eye, you're thinking, well, Bama should wall up this team, right? They should wipe the floor with them and probably win by three touchdowns. But at the same time, you're looking at an undefeated Cincinnati team who has played great football against a lot of decent teams this year, right? I mean, I know we say Notre Dame, but Notre Dame is the the fifth team in the mix, right? Like they're one, they're one, uh, one game away from being in this college football playoff. They lost to Cincinnati. Exactly. So I don't know that that this line is, is uh, as terrible as we think to Bim. I think that honestly, maybe Cincinnati covers their spread. Maybe they lose by 10. Maybe they lose by seven. Maybe they don't lose at all. This is such an unknown game. And I think this is a trap game, no matter how you look at it. In my opinion, if I had to lean one way, I would lean Cincinnati plus 13 and a half. Cause I do think Desmond Ritter takes care of the ball really well. I think they know how to operate. I think, I think of course there's that added mentality as well that you're playing Bama and there's a huge chip on your shoulder, right? You're mm-hmm. the first independent, not independent, first non-power five team yeah. to make it to the playoffs. So you want to represent, yes, of course you take the talent level of Bama and you take who they are and you take their coach, but this isn't a bad Cincinnati team. And if you just have all that, that juice that they have and that mentality that they have, I mean, I would swing some points their way just because of that. Okay. I love the I love the take there. There's a lot of pressure on them. And you bring up Desmond Ritter, who, by the way, no quarterback. You think it would be Kenny Pickett. He's sitting out his bowl game. Uh, Matt Corral came out and said that he's going to play because his guys got him there. And if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. He gets hurt, he gets hurt, which is kind of like a which I love that. Yeah, it was a gladiator move. It was a sweet press conference. I'm if like, I die, I, I die. It's a, it's a very like that's the that's a Tisopolis favorite player right there moment out of like that kind of speech that he gives. Um but Desmond Ritter is like, he could be the third. He could jump Sam Howell. Malik Willis is falling. Yeah. He could jump I mean, Carson Strong. He could get into the first round if he plays it's, well. It's the same thing that you're saying about Sauce, right? Like he he's he's out there playing for, for more draft stock. Mm. I mean, if you really perform in the college ball playoff against a Bama team that is loaded with NFL prospects, right? You're pretty much going against NFL rookies. Like you're raising your draft stock, especially if you throw for over 300 yards, right? You play a clean game where you don't turn the ball over, throw a couple of touchdowns, maybe rush for 50 yards. Who knows what the stat line is going to look like. But if you play a good, clean game against this Bama team, and I don't even necessarily think you have to secure the win, but just showing that you're capable of playing against them, you have raised your draft stock on a quarterback class that is shaky at best. Yeah, best. At best. Uh, toss. What do you like over under and what do you like in the spread? Did Nick sway you at all? Or were you always on Nick's side? I, I, for a lot of the same reasons that he brought forth, agree with Nick. I I think that Cincinnati plus 13 and a half is to me, seems like the, the smartest bet. 
based off of what we've seen from the rest of the season, that Alabama is no stranger to winning a close game, um, that they are susceptible in ways that they haven't been in years past. But here, there's like a 20% chance in my mind, there's this space that gets occupied that says that Bama is going to win 40 to seven, you know, like it, that exists still. And I think it can still happen because I think Dick Saban's that, that good of a coach. I'm probably just going to stay away from this game. Um, I would probably take the under, I would probably take the under in this game, just because I think that if that happens, like if I, my, the scenario that I just put forth, if Cincinnati can't score at all, then I think we're going to be under 56 points. Um, but I don't see it being a shootout. I don't see if it is a close game, it being 37 to 35. I think it's more of like a 23 to 17 kind of game. I think the first quarter is going to be very telling. If we're in a situation where Bama jumps out, it's 21, nothing, then that under looks great. That spread is a home run. But if it's a situation where we're into the first quarter and it's zero, zero, and then we get to halftime and it's seven to three, and it's kind of anyone's ball game, Cincinnati's proved they can hang then at that point, it, it can get to an Auburn-type situation for Bama, which I don't want to hold that. Like, we're not holding Georgia to the candle of, like, that's, like, the one lens we're looking at through the Bama game. So I don't want to necessarily do that with the Iron Bowl. But we've seen teams stymie Bama a little bit. We've seen them fall asleep at times. And we've seen teams like Florida come back on them, you know? Uh, so I think it's going to be a really interesting situation. I, I like going with the plus spreads here, and I think we're going to ride the unders. I'm Joshua Fisher. That was Alexander DeSopolis. That was Nicholas Snacks Kreider. We're the charity stripe. We're going to be right back with segment two, so don't go anywhere. Hit your free throws because they're free. We will be right back with the charity stripe on the all-new Mightier 1090 AM. SoCal Sports Talk. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.